record on that. Oh, gotta flip this. See both of us? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see. This is good. What up? What up? Oh man. All right. All right. Perfect. So we're currently on Instagram Live with nobody, but we're going to try to do Instagram Live because we feel like we're at Teacher Hideout Las Vegas um, and just wrapping a little bit about what our experience has been for our podcast and, uh, you know, just to put the word out there, man, it's been an amazing experience so far. It's just just the morning session so far, so we're, we're rocking. So initial thoughts being here, you know, we've been here about 20 hours so far. Oh, man, I'm just loving the vibe, man. You know, I, I just got off the phone with my wife and shared with her. I was like, this is like my teacher tribe. This is like the place that right. I, I wish that, I mean, me going back into the classroom is perfect because it gives me an opportunity to connect with teachers who are, who still have that passion, who, who are not jaded about what they see in the classroom and allowing that to change who they are as a, as a professional. And as, you know, I love the fact that, um, you know, Trevor... Um, you are the keynote for this morning when he talked about we're creators, you know, that we, we, we are the creative yeah. being in the classroom and we uh -huh. have to do that. And it just kind of reminds me of what we need to do and how we need to you know operate as teachers. And I think we don't get to do that too often. Right. Right. And uh, I don't know whether fortunately or unfortunately, I'm already making a name for myself as a troublemaker. Um, the ladies, really, at, the really. ladies at the merch table told, said I was a troublemaker, but uh, I've already, uh, Got my new nickname for the weekend. Apparently, I'm going to be called Alligator Arms because we were doing this activity in my session with uh, our session with Tracy Costa and Sheila Kennedy, and you had to like grab this string to try to tie a knot, and my arms weren't long enough. And yeah, but Tracy and I had that in common, so I feel good about that. Um, but no, that was that was a great session. So I know you wanted to wrap a little bit about. Uh, what you, I mean, we both really like Trevor's uh, opening oh, keynote. That was awesome. But Trevor I, I think you especially had a connection with his story. Well, yeah, he it hit me immediately when you started talking about the, the trouble that he hit uh, in school in sixth grade math. Uh, you know, we've talked about it several times that that was the, that was that year for me as a, as a student that I had a teacher put me in the corner and tell me, you're Mr. Do Nothing for the rest of the year. And that, as he said, that was that domino that, that clicked that started me on a spiral that I really, I'm thankful for the experience that I gained through all of that. But at the end of the day, that could have been avoided, you know? Um, and I can't point the finger at the teacher because again, I know me at that time, same similar situation. I mean, it was crazy because my parents divorced, his parents divorced. Um, we both internalized that, that what we were dealing with. I mean, I didn't really talk about it to too many people. And so finally, when, my mom finally got the notice that, hey, your son's being retained because he had excessive absence and we're considering him to be a dropout. He's going to have to do sixth grade again. My mom was shocked, you know? And because I, you know, I, I, tell, I was telling somebody the other day, I say I dropped out of school while still being in school because I only went to PE and I went to band class. Then the rest of the day I skipped. So after those absences started piling up, I had to start forging my mom's signature. And that kind of kept going and it perpetuated this, this, this sense of lying and sense of dishonesty that was not me, who I was, but because of the situations, it created something 
that I can say that wasn't beneficial to um, to me or to my family at that time. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. It made me. I feel like it made me a much better person, and now it makes me a better educator. Because again, teaching sixth grade math, the class that I dropped out on, I have an opportunity to to pay it forward to students to say, let me give you what I wish I would have had, or let me give you what I know. And I think uh, both uh, Tracy and um, and Trevor in, in their sessions talked about that, that connection and that, that power of that, making those relationships with students. And I think we don't talk about that enough as teachers. We talk, we talk pedagogy, we talk curriculum, we talk content, we talk state assessments. We don't talk relationships. No, we do not. And so I think that that's um, something. And then to bring in the, the, the brain science part of it in both, both sessions. Yeah, yeah. I think that really made a big difference. So, Yeah, I really liked... Um... You know, and Trevor, you, you were kind of in the throes of your doctoral program, so you didn't get to be on that episode with Trevor. But, uh, you know, what Trevor said today was a lot of what he said when he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. And, you know, the the power of story, I think, is just so incredible. And, and you know, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, you know, talking about what we've got going on. But I just kept thinking, like, how are we threading our story into mm-hmm. what we work on and, and what we do? And, um, you know, and... We, and with that too, I loved what Tracy said about how she isn't going to try to meet the academic needs of a kid until she's met the social and the emotional needs of a kid. And it was, you know, there's a lot of people that we say we, you know, we want to be doing it, but it's a lot harder. You know, the entire time she was saying that, I was like, in practice, it sounds good, but it's so, it's so hard to really like stick to your guns and to, you know, put up with what I'm assuming is a considerable considerable amount of flack. Right. I mean, you even gave an example when we were talking about the student who called called you by your first name. Right. And how, you know, we were even talking about even then, like, when that student, when you call that student by their last name, I mean, like, like when they called you by your first name, there was something that was kindled inside of you that you were just like, do it again. Mm-hmm. And one thing we know about adolescents and children, because we've all been children, when you tell a kid, do it again, that just gave them the green light to do it again. And they're going to do it because now I know. Instead of reaching them in a way of saying, hey, you know, let me talk to you for a moment. Yeah. You know, I'm going to respect you, yeah. you respect me. And I think that part of building relationships um, and connecting with students, it's, it's so, it's paramount. I mean, we can't, again, it doesn't matter how hard those kids are. Their heart is still soft. They're still kids, and their their experiences may have caused them to become callous right. to so much and to be disrespectful, and to think that that's okay because they see it at home, they do it at home. But kids understand how to transform themselves in individual situations and become what that situation calls for. We just have to, as teachers, set that expectation in the classroom and make them strive to reach that expectation, bar mm-hmm. none. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, you know, I love the strive that, yeah, um, yeah. that, that they gave us just now. Um, to me, how can you call yourself an educator and you don't really want to know your students? You know, we talked, right. when we first started our conversation, I always, I always give the example of a woodworker. You know, when I sat down and had a conversation with someone who, a man who's a carpenter who, who looks at wood, he looks at that piece of wood and he doesn't just see a chunk of wood sitting there. 
He sees that wood and he sees what it can become. He sees that it could become a chair. It could become uh, maybe the leg for a chair, maybe the arm for a chair. Maybe it's a piece that he needed to finish. He sees that. And as educators, we have to look at our kids in that same way and say, what is it that they're going to become? The beautiful thing about our kids is they can tell us. We can, we can show them and expose them to so much to where they can start developing their passion. And we can start harnessing, I mean, getting them to go toward that versus me trying to tell you, you're going to be this. You're going to be that. You know, so. Well, yeah, and they, you know, Tracy talked and Sheila talked about how um, so much of the prior generation, especially, you know, our parents and maybe even, and I wouldn't even say necessarily my parents, but people maybe just a little bit older than me and you know, maybe a little closer to your generation. No, it's not. It's not a shot. You know, but I mean, you know, I mean, you know what it is. I know, I know. You know, that they just didn't grow up in this world where, um, where growth, the growth mindset was really possible. You know, it was just sort of this world where what you had was what you had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are, there are times where I can say, you know, with my own parents, some of the decisions I've made and I continue to make are, are not decisions that they would have made at the time. And granted, I was talking with talking with some friends, you know, I'm about to be 34 in three weeks. And at this point, my youngest sister and my parents would have been four. So my, my older sister would have been 10. I would have been seven or eight. And my youngest sister was four. You know, and they, they just lived in such a different time. And mm-hmm. what I really loved, um, what Tracy said about, you know, setting high expectations and really um, not wavering. Right. But, uh, but, you know, she was very adamant that just because you set high expectations, you have to make them understand the need for failure. The need for failure in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how that, because, you know, in the only difference between really the fix and the growth mindset is your, your view of failure. Oh man. Darn. No, we lost our live feed. That's okay. Um, hit the end button. Top left, top right. Top right. Let's see what happens if we cancel. All right, well, let's just keep talking. So, but, but yeah, so far, I can say Tracy and Sheila, um, while they were talking and they were giving us their. Um, yeah, sorry. Somebody tried to call me. My bad. Nobody ever called. Well, a robo dialer tried to call me. <laughs> so, to so our people that were live, my bad. But yeah, but I mean, like I say, I think that, that you're saying that it's a different day and age. Right. But I think that each parenting, each parent and each, I mean, let's take the straight teachers, each group of educators in each generation should strive to push kids beyond what they've been pushed. You know, my parents, neither one of my parents had college degrees. Um, my mom was pregnant in high school with my oldest brother. Um, um, she still finished high school, uh, went to community college, became an LVN. You know, that didn't work out. Started working retail, became a retail manager, 
you know, did all these things. But in all of that, she stressed to all of us, you will go to college. I don't care what it is. She, she would always say, I don't care what you're going to do, but you're going to go to college. You have to get yourself something that, that that's going to hold its weight. My, my grandfather, my great-grandfather used to always say that education is the one thing that no one can take. You can get and no one can take away from you. You can get all the money, but you can lose it. They can take it away. They can't take away what I'm getting right now. The experience alone is worth more than the paper on the wall. And I think that as educators, if we start to, and we strive to give our students those experiences, to say, hey, the experience is more important than the state test. The experience is more than me testing you to see how much math do you know. Because again, I tell my teachers, that all, I mean, I tell my students all the time, there's no way the world is gonna ask you what's two plus two. They're not. They're not gonna know, wanna know, do you know the multiplicative relationship between these sets of numbers? They don't care. They're not going to ask you what's the inverse operation of this. They don't care. But what they do, what the, what the world cares about is how do you build relationships? How do you respond from failure? How do you bounce back? How do you strive? How do you persevere? Those are the things that I think as, ed as educators, we have to make sure when we're sculpting our classroom experiences that we're giving those to kids. We're giving them those tools that, that when they face those options, they have something else in their mind except react. They have something else. Someone has deposited something in that they can pull and say, I remember, I, I remember Mr. Krieger told me about this. Do, 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 do. And that's different from what I know from the street. Because again, I can't tell a kid who has to survive at home, your home life is wrong. I can't tell you that you, you shouldn't be tough. Because if you go to a neighborhood that's tough, you have to be tough. It, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like you, you, I'm going to tell you, go home and be, go be soft. I don't grow up where you, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't live where you live, so I don't know what you're about to experience. But what I can tell you is there's a time and place for everything. You know, we're here right now. Gambling is fully legal in Las Vegas. The things that we're doing right now, if we did it in Texas, it would be considered illegal. Correct. So we have to understand and get the students to see that every experience has its own set of parameters and their adjusting adjustments and adaptations to those individual experiences is what we have to teach them. How do I manipulate myself to become what's needed in this situation? So, and I, like I said, I'm super duper excited, super stoked. Um, learned something new about microfinancing. Um, could be a global goal, a global goal for my classroom for next year. Um, the hero's journey, teaching kids about that, that journey so they can understand their own plight so they can know, like I say, I think teachers look at PDs, and this is something different. Like, there anybody who's never been a teacher hard out, this is our first time here. Um, but the whole vibe here is not come sit and get and, and leave a walk away with nothing. It's more of a come be a part of a tribe. Come be a part of a family of people that you can interact with. I mean, we're sitting at a table with people we don't know, we've never seen. But the, the, the discourse that takes place is just phenomenal. And even just the, the small talk. Is phenomenal, and I think that that's what's missing from a lot of PDs is that we want to focus so much. Like nothing's been touched on by content. Yes, Trevor's an ELA teacher, but he didn't teach us how to do the next greatest reading strategy or how to implement writing in your classroom. He didn't talk. He talked about how to inspire kids through story. Through story. How do we motivate our kids? And I can tell. I, I'm a storyteller. I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I love telling stories. I mean, I think that 
Storytelling is something that has transcended every generation as, since human beings have walked on this planet. And that's what, that's what keeps us alive. That's what keeps us going. When we know, don't go beyond that ridge because we see this picture here that says that beyond this ridge is something we don't want. Yeah, curiosity may say, I want to check it out, but the reality is going to say, yeah, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, great grandma, grandpa, they didn't go over there. We don't have no business going over there until you get innovative and you start having things like drone technology or satellites in, in, in space that can pinpoint exactly that location and show you what's there. And then you can come out of it. But we won't have that if we don't inspire the next generation of innovators. Yeah. If we don't inspire the next generation of students who are going to create the next greatest things for us right. as, as human beings. And I think that's the exciting part about teaching is we have, we have that opportunity to do that every single day. Right. You know, and, and this was not a part of a session, but we both got a chance to say hi to Eric Crouch and, I was commenting to him like I commented to you that maybe we're what? Maybe one of two dozen men mm-hmm. in a 500 plus person. You know, and Eric and I were having this conversation about how do we get more got, more men, not just to these events, but more men into the, into the profession. And it was just something that, and when you asked me if I was okay, we were just kind of sitting there and I was kind of like, that was what I was saying about it. Like I couldn't get out of my mind once he said it to me. As you know, I mean, that's not necessarily our direct focus, but I think that's something that we could be a part of mm-hmm. is growing more, increasing the number of male teachers in the profession. And he went once a farther, you know, also, you know, really focusing on adding diversity to the profession too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's something that um, I'm not trying to get off base because I know we've got know we've got plenty on our plate right now with LEA, with our podcast, with this event in Houston in September, and but I, I think that's gonna be a part of the mission. I think it, as we grow, and I and I maybe it's just starting like on Instagram of really getting a connected group of male educators on Instagram and and really finding ways and talking about how we can get more men into the profession. I mean, because if you go if you go into any classroom right now and you poll how many people want to be educators, the vast majority of them are going to be female that are going to raise their hand. Right. I know for me, growing up, I mean, I'm going to date myself in the 80s, growing being in school in the 80s, if I was a guy and I sat in class and said, I want to be a teacher when I grow up, I would probably get laughed at. Right. You know, um, but I remember I was sharing with someone that my memory book from high school that we had to write all these different things in your favorite this where you yeah. gonna be, and I said in my memory book in my senior year, for my tenth, for uh, in my ten, ten years, where would you want to be? And I said in ten years I'd be in school teaching music. It's close. Um, it's close. Uh, but I think that that came from the impact of a great teacher, who was a, happened to be a male, happened to be a black male, who poured into me as if he was a father, who poured. I mean, who spent. I'm talking about seven thirty, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night sitting in a band hall, talking life, not just music, talking life with a group of young men. And I, and, I, and I love to say that when I talk to these guys now that were in that group with me, you know, Brian Dunlap, uh, Marcus Britton, Eric Graves, Kenneth Rock, these guys right now are all prospering. They're all doing great. Some of them are in education. You know, and I like to think that some of the impact of what Mr. William Porter said to us as high school juniors and seniors made that much of an impact on our lives that we realized that even though we lived in the inner city, we did not have to stay in the inner city. 
And I think a lot of our kids don't have that sense of hope that real authentic education is supposed to give kids. Education should be a, it's, it's, it's the fulcrum that says that I can move my life if I choose to. I, I don't have to stay in my situation. But again, our young boys, and we know the situation with especially African-American males in schools, they're, they're the most disciplined, the most written up, the most expelled, the most suspended. Um, in any situation, and I think it's interesting that when I'm talking to talk to people from different different states and you know all over this country, they all say the same thing. You know, it's disproportionate the discipline that takes place, and I think there is a an issue. And I'm working right now with um, with some local pastors in Houston um, to put together a program for young men who are being raised by their mom, so that we can go in and become surrogates to these young men to give them those things that they don't get and that they won't get. The public school system was never designed for, for African-Americans. Let's just be honest. We were not supposed to be taught. But now we have a group of kids that are in a school environment that have to be taught, and we're trying to teach them a certain way, but they don't learn that way. And we have to have the conversations that are bold enough to say, how do we shift that? How do we move that? Again, it's a whole other conversation for another day, but I think that when you look at the issue with men entering into the teaching force, it starts with the young men that are sitting in the classrooms today. How do they perceive the teachers that they're having right now? How do they view them? And I think that makes the biggest difference. How do they view the the respect or the absolutely you know, that that in it too? So Am I that coach yelling in your face because you're playing football? Well, it's easy because that's something you love to do. But what about that compassionate teacher that that helps you believe in yourself while you're in the classroom? And it's, and it's, you know, and we had this conversation at, at breakfast this morning about, you know, we said it a hundred times, the difference between authority and influence, you know, and that's something, these are all people who, you know, they're Instagram influencers, but in the classroom, that's what they do. They influence. There's, there's, I don't find, I, I would be hard pressed to find someone in the, in the crowd today. That's really an authoritative, like, because if you're authoritative, you want things done a certain way and it doesn't seem like. People at this really strive to do things a certain way. They're they're outside the box. They're thinking. They're creative. So, and I think that's the key in education is that you can't, you know, we 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 talk about this whole education reform thing that we right. both disagree with that terminology. We think that it's it's just it's trash. It doesn't it doesn't hold merit. It's a, it's a political ploy to get to, to 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 divert people's attention from the real problem. And I think that what we really need to do is reframe what education looks like. Education itself, in itself, is not change. Education means to pull out. We're, we're, as teachers, we're supposed to reach into our students and pull out that which is inside of them. But what we're doing is we're reaching into a textbook or into a state-run curriculum, and we're trying to dump it into our students, and we're wondering why they're not functioning and why our society is going to the way that it's going. And it's because we're dumping stuff that's meaningless to them. And only way they're going to find meaning in what they're doing is if we show them how it connects to what they're trying to do. I'm more motivated now. I'm just finished my phase two of my doctoral program. Uh, I was a little nervous to share with Kyle. Um, when you when you have a board of people reading your writing and wondering whether or not you have what it takes to go to the next level, it really it plays a game on your mind to say, "Am I writing to them?" Or am I writing because this is what's inside of me? And I think I revised that 
paper maybe about 15 times before I actually right. submitted it. Right. Right. And I was nervous because that was the that was the key, that was the capstone for me to move to the next phase. And now that I'm in this next phase, it's all specialization. Hey, what'd, you, what'd you get there? I got a 99 overall. So Oh, just two one hundreds and two ninety eights, but you know, I mean that ain't no big thing. So But it, you know, but it, it, it goes to say that when we're they're not putting information in me. And that's one thing I can say about the education that I'm getting now. And again, still a student. They're not dumping stuff in me. They're exposing me to things and asking me, how does this relate to what you're doing? Letting you pull what's relevant. Exactly. So what they're doing is they're showing me things and saying, pull out, let me help pull that out of you so that you can pour that into somebody else. Right. Right and I think that that's where education is missing. You yeah. have great teachers that are doing that. But then you have some teachers who are not. You know, you have some that, that are, that'll tell kids, I'm only here for the 5th and the 20th. Who still say, regardless if you're successful or not, I still get paid. Yeah. And and there are and there are definitely times where I sit and and, and especially with the with the podcast um and being here, I think the overwhelming majority of teachers are like the ones we have here. I think the overwhelming Absolutely. majority in this country are great teachers. It's just the majority just seems to be louder and you know we're working and you know we, we gotta wrap up because we gotta grab some lunch before our next session but um i love what gary v always says you know we put that on our instagram all the time he's like he he's not trying to build the big the biggest building by tearing every other building down he's just gonna build the biggest building on good so um yeah so yeah. our instagram live person people we appreciate you um we'll be coming back later yeah so. later uh i guess it's yeah, we're on we're on West Coast time, so uh, we'll holler at you later. But yeah, and podcast people, we'll we'll pick it up in the afternoon.